0: listening to Vet Candy.
1: Hi, I'm Caitlin Palmer. Thank you for joining me today. This is the Desk Winch Confessions. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm Caitlin Palmer, aka The Desk Winch. A desk winch is a profession very similar to a veterinary receptionist, only better We deal with not only fractious felines and cranky canines, oh no, we overcome their human equivalents as well, Karens and Chads. On my show, we validate vets and support staff and any of you other amazing, beautiful folks listening. Now, let me introduce today's guest. I am so excited to welcome Emily Blake. She is a fourth-year veterinary student at the Ontario Veterinary College. Her goal in this field is to peruse exotic medicine for household pets such as rabbits rats reptiles and birds she's originally from redding california where she grew up on a hobby farm so she's definitely a country wild child but her main hobby is falconry which means she's very passionate about flying birds of prey and conservation she's married to a pilot well that makes sense and has two dogs three rabbits a red-tailed hawk and a falcon. Okay, what kind of falcon is this? Because I can't pronounce words today.
2: Apolomato? Uh it's called an applomato falcon. Oh, I was
1: close. Yay! Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you here. <laughs> no, thank you. So the and there's lots of reasons because I mean, number one, you're amazing, but also you see, I suffer from I and, I and for any any listeners who don't know what ornithophobia is, that is the fear of birds. So selfishly, (laughs) I need
2: you to help me break my fear of birds. Yeah, no problem. I mean, they are quite hard to read. I mean, even if you try to read them, sometimes it doesn't really work out. And they really have a mindset of a two-year-old. So there's going to be tantrums and it's going to be their way or the highway.
1: (laughs) Sure. My first encounter with a bird, and I apologize to any listeners who've heard the story of coconut. Coconut's the reason I have ornithophobia. So my friend, growing up, her stepmom had this cute little bird. It was so cute. And its name was Coconut. And Coconut was the cutest, most amazing thing ever. And Coconut would swoop down like she was going to attack me, like just eat me. And I was so scared of stupid little Coconut. So now I'm kind of like, birds are pretty, but you know, that's, yeah, you you keep your birds, you keep your birds but my husband wants to have a bird one day. And I'm kind of like, okay, do you not love me? Like what's going on? I have ornithophobia.
2: Well, definitely in the bird world, we def- we try to shy away from having them free lofted like that, um, unless they're in their own special space. Uh, Cause yeah, that's not nice when you have new visitors coming over and you're being bombarded by a little bird who, you know, as I said, they Sometimes they take to new people and sometimes they don't. So if it's their territory, who knows? And and it's it kind of does bring a fear to, to newcomers into the bird world. Sure. Because prior to that, I'd always been around
1: dogs and cats. You know, dogs love you and cats are there. Sometimes they love you and sometimes they just don't care. So, like, the worst I'd ever felt was indifferent. And now, <laughs> you know, now all of a sudden there's this little flying. Shit, demon, and it wants me dead. So,
2: even for me, working in a vet clinic with birds, if they're flighted, I, I definitely have some fear in in me too because you don't know how it's going to go. And um, if they get out, is are they going to be aggressive, or are they going to be friendly, or is it going to be kind of a, a little bit of a shit show?
1: <laughs> right, exactly, a literal shit show because they do that a lot. <laughs> Sorry, I got I got a little off topic initially, but so to so tell me about you, you're a fourth-year vet student. That's a really big deal. That's amazing. Congrats. So you're almost a full-fledged doctor.
2: Almost there. I cannot wait. I am done studying. <laughs> I take my NAVLE on the 16th of December. So I'm hoping that will go well, but I can't wait till the 17th. So I don't have to look at novely questions anymore.
1: Oh, now you've got this. I know you've got this. That is so awesome. I, I just, I went through a phase where I wanted to be a vet and just doing pre-vet, like the calculus and the chemistry look I'm trying to repress it my brain's trying to protect me from this trauma it was brought back up by ornithophobia and editor remember every time I say that you have to edit in the ornithophobia so (laughs) just make sure you do that because that's going to be fun I love that that's badass Emily that's great
2: Uh, it's definitely been a kind of a roller coaster you get in and and you think you know you want to be this one person. So I came in thinking I wanted to do large animal, actually, um, because I I really like being outdoors. I love the large animal, but I did my externship um, as a vet student. You're required to do an eight week externship before you enter fourth year, and I got pumbled by the cattle. <laughs> I couldn't keep up with them. They pushed me around literally, and uh, it was hard sometimes with the cows to do surgery. You have to lay them down, and I. I'm not much help on that part. So I decided I've always loved birds. I've always loved exotics way more. And that's something that like physically (laughs) I can um, handle. And I'm actually a lot more comfortable with it too. So I kind of switched, uh, which is normal uh, for a vet student. Um, You kind of go in waves before your fourth year, you kind of have like a, I guess, like a mid vet crisis, (laughs) mid vet school crisis. And you, um, you actually kind of change, change your, your thought of your career and you dive into something different.
1: Absolutely. That's, that makes a lot of sense. I know even just going to regular college, most people do change their major. They do just, they get there and they decide, you know what, actually, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And they change their mind.
2: Yeah, and and especially with veterinary with veterinary medicine, you can't really say you you love it until you do it, and it's hard to do it without kind of being in vet med already because the doors are really closed to outsiders for you know liability reasons, and they want you to be knowledgeable and safe. So a lot of people, some of them have figured out. You know, um, I have a few friends who don't even want to practice like clinically, and they just want to go back into research um, because they figured it it's just not their thing. We'll be right back
0: with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most fascinating people on our planet. Our entertaining continuing education programs are made for your streaming world. Fabulous, fun, and free. Available on demand anywhere and anytime. Don't miss out. Subscribe today on iTunes, YouTube, or a platform of your choice. Or visit myvetcandy.com for more information.
1: Sure. And then you have to deal with the, the crazy people. So tell me, so you know, you're going to be the doctor, you're going to be the boss, people's craziness is going to come to you. Are you nervous
2: about that? I am very nervous. (laughs) I'm very nervous. I used to be uh, just a receptionist at the front desk, and I could be like, I could see the the crazy coming, <laughs> literally. And you can just say, oh, the doctor's going to be right with you. And then you can just kind of bounce. <laughs> you know what? I got to go to the bathroom. Bye. Yeah, exactly. So, and then you can kind of veer away from it. And then, you know, you kind of go to the office in the back and go, okay, you know what? I'm going to prepare you mentally, doc. Um, this is going to be a a hard one. (laughs) So, but you know, and that's about it. (laughs) But now I'm the person who actually has to wrangle them in and figure out what they need and try to put them in a a good place and send them out their their way with, you know, fixing their problem.
1: Do you have any stories from your receptionist days
2: of people fussing at you over the phone or Oh my goodness. I, (laughs) I mean, the list goes on. I've had actual cans of dog food thrown at me because, you know, in the US legally, if you don't pay your bill, we can't give you your animal back as long as, you know, you've, you've signed the the, the estimate agreeing to paying, um, at least for California. And we've had, you know, some people saying that like, we can't do that. And I was this 18-year-old receptionist trying to follow like your manager's rules or the clinic's rules. And yeah, you've I've had some canned food thrown out of aggression, out of, you know, emotions and stuff. So that was interesting. <laughs> Oh my god! Did it hit you or did it just? No, it hit the wall. Thank God I dodged it. That would have been a. It was a big can of you know GI soft food. <laughs> so that would have hurt. <laughs> so yeah, we had a in my clinic. We had like the two finger um, panic button that would actually alert the police to come and come to our clinic because we were we were like a low cost clinic that had some. Some interesting personalities come in. (laughs) What about over the phone? I can't believe someone threw food at you. That's so mean. I know. Over the phone, I've had, you know, threats of like, if I tell them a cost that the doctor relayed to me, for, you know, maybe an emergency procedure or even something simple like antibiotics for, you know, upper respiratory infection. I've been told that, um, you know, like I'm going to go to hell because I won't give them free care. Like, how, shame on me. Like, they hope I die on my way home. And, and I, you know, and it's it's hard because you have to sit there and laugh about it. But it's it's sad how people treat you in a veterinary practice just because we don't offer free care for pets because I guess we're supposed to.
1: (laughs) I had somebody one time accuse me because I think they got confused and they were upset. So I understand, you know, you're upset. You're thinking about what's going on. And I was quoting them costs for like for euthanasia and for private cremation versus communal cremation. And I told them and the doctor was standing right there and I'm so glad he was But I told them multiple times, you know, that the euthanasia is not included in the cremation or vice versa. It's this plus this, and it would be this much depending on which option you go with or if you just take it home, you know, whatever you do. And they got so mad, and they called, and they were like, you just wanted to swipe our visa one more time. And I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) You know, and they're like, "You were, I was deceptive. I was purposely deceptive, and I may be a good person, but I was trained by some bad people, and it it was like this really. I think they thought they were helping me in some kind of weird, twisted, like you're you're not a bad person yourself, but you did a really bad thing, and I'm like." excuse me because I told you how much something was going to cost that you asked me how much it was going to cost and it was the first time I didn't back down you know I was like I'm sorry you feel that way I know you're upset this was discussed but you know I realize you're upset I'm very sorry for your loss and they just kept going and finally I was like oh
2: can't hear you it's breaking up not really I didn't really do that No, I mean, sometimes it's, it's nicer to just kind of tell them, you know, like, I'm sorry, you will have to give you a call back so that they can sit there, breathe, think about what they're actually saying. And then when they do, when you call them back or they come in, they have this different mindset of, okay, maybe I just went a little bit overboard. My emotions got the best of me because it it is hard with pets because a long time ago, pets weren't, held to this type of, you know, emotional type of attachment, but now they're more of a family member these days. And so, family is is family. So, it's, it's hard to lose them. It's hard to see them in pain, but it shouldn't affect how they treat people um, who are trying trying to help them. Absolutely.
1: And I can understand, to, to an extent, being ugly because you're upset or, you know, not being your best self because you just lost your best friend. Yeah, I, I get that. But, Yeah. I'm with you, you don't, you shouldn't treat people that way.
2: No, no. And you know, like even in the the human medical world, I've never heard of people with so much burnout and, and trying to switch careers and not wanting to be a vet anymore. I have so many friends with who have only started practicing the last two years and, and they've actually quit and moved on to a different career path. Really? And after all that school and all that? <laughs> Eight years. And if you're from the US, we're, we're like $350,000 in debt. And they said, you know what? I'd rather work in a grocery store. And they have so much knowledge and the ability to help animals in in this type of time where there's not enough you know we should be promoting them and supporting them and helping them through this like this time and and pushing them to to keep working because you know right now we can't even keep up with it here in Canada most of the clinics they aren't accepting new clients because we can't let them through the door our emergency rooms are closed we can't we can't take you in there's not enough care um, like people to care for the pets and it's it's frustrating.
1: I know our clients here which we're just general practice but they're so used to getting in, hey, I'm going to come in in an hour or whatever and it's like, well, hold on. <laughs> I may not have anybody. Can you come on this day? It's like, it's just this. It's like, okay, but there's 29 other people who need just this.
2: Or triple booked. My doctor hasn't had lunch. Like, <laughs> let him have a power bar so that he can, you know, <laughs> think for five minutes.
1: They're going to fall out while they're trying to fix your pet. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> no, I agree. People are, it's in a time where, you know, like I, I was in that same clinic, you know, oh yeah, come down. 2 minutes we'll see you you know and now it's like wait a minute you need to call 3 weeks in advance
1: <laughs> so you're from california tell me about how you ended up in canada
2: what really happened was i kind of wanted to travel along with ta- with doing school and so i got into canada and i got into london it's called rvc and the choice between the two where my husband couldn't work over in London, um, they wouldn't allow him a visa. So they said he would be a glorified housewife (laughs) pretty much. Um, so, and he's like, that's a no go. And I said, yeah, that's fair enough. You know, I can't make you sit around for four years. So I chose Canada and, um, I actually really enjoy it. I've never experienced four seasons being from California. It's just desert. (laughs) Right. So I came here with, you know, one layer of clothes, um, barely owning a jacket. And it became like, oh God, I don't even know how to say like, it was negative 30 Celsius here, my first winter. And I was not prepared. (laughs) It was frightening (laughs) but now I'm used to it yes it sounds so
1: lovely Canada all the pictures I've seen it's so pretty and I've never been out of the southern United States so to me winter is like a light (laughs) jacket But make sure it's something that comes
2: off because it's going to be hot. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like it. maybe it can be a morning thing, but by, you know, mid-afternoon, you're going to be sweating. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes, girl. Yes. No, no, not here. But, you know, the Canadians, they really get me is they'll be out. It'll be like, I don't know, 20 Fahrenheit or something like real low and cold. And they'll still be in shorts. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And they're like, oh, this is this is a nice winter, eh? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm over here with like long underwear, pants, three jackets, uh, like uh, a hat. <laughs>
1: oh, that would be me too. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be like, whoa, this is actually cold. What is this? We don't do that.
2: <laughs> Just wait till it gets bad. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. What is bad? <laughs> you're like, this isn't bad. <laughs> the, it's really great here. The program is small. So, you know, your class, size is only 100 uh, or, I mean, sorry, 120. So compared to a lot of the U.S. schools, um, it's a lot more like closer kind of camaraderies um, that we have. It's nice. You know, all the classmates, you're friends with everyone, which I like. Is
1: vet school as competitive in Canada as it is in the States or is it about the same,
2: you think? Uh, To get in? It's actually more. Yeah, in Canada, there's only, I think, three universities for veterinary school. And you have to live in the province in order to get into that veterinary college. So if you don't live there, so you had to move. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you're not Canadian, it's not that competitive, it's not as competitive, but if you're Canadian, it's, you know, like you have to have like a 96 average to get in. It's very competitive. Some people take three to four years to, to be able to, when they apply um, to get into veterinary school here.
1: One of our girls that uh, I worked with, she just got into vet school. If you're listening, hi, Shelby, I love you. Good luck. Uh, And she, it was like her, I think it was her third year, but she finally got in. And it was like, girl, we all knew you would. Yes, we're so proud of her. I don't think a lot of people, listeners, y'all may not know, vet school is more competitive than human medicine. Oh, completely, completely. Like, vets are super badass. And the anatomy of a bird is so much different than the anatomy of a horse versus a snake versus a cat versus a dog i mean it's all of these different species and that's just incredible
2: yeah and what really hurts is on our on our board license exam every question is generally a different species so your brain has to be able to flip and you get less than 60 seconds to do your like to read the question, answer it. And they're like, Oh, what about this gastrointestinal system? And then, Oh, let's think about the heart of this, this animal, you know, and your brain is just like kind of tossing back and forth. And it's, it's hard. And you know, if you're just thinking, Oh, this is a human, what's going on with the heart in this question? We all have the same basic parts, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, you're not you're not thinking of like a meat eater versus like a vegetarian animal. So they're routed all different, as I say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a lumosity game where you have to switch back and forth with your brain. And it's, I mean, just kudos to y'all. That's amazing. (laughs) I can't even, no, I can't even. So tell me about falconry. Where did that, that's so cool.
2: I actually started falconry when I was uh, fourteen. I started working out at a wildlife rehabilitation center, and the rule was you can't touch birds of prey until you're eighteen just for liability reasons, which is is fair. That was my dream. I loved watching them as a kid, you would, you know, being out in my little hobby farm, you always saw them flying around. So I just told my mom, you know, like, I'm interested in pursuing this. And I kind of Googled it and they said, well, the state of California says that if you become an apprentice falconer at the age of 14, you can own your own bird of prey as long as you are being mentored by someone with um, like a full license. So I said, what the heck, let's do it. (laughs) And I did do it, which, you know, I have to say, it has to be a lot even harder than bed school. Um, It's all it is is frustration. You're, You're trying to become friends with a bird, who pretty much just hates you. (laughs) So you kind of have to find middle grounds with them. But uh, it's very fun. I have learned to very much love it. Some years I hate it more than others. But it's definitely a passion that I can't steer away from. Um, Even coming to Canada, uh, within six months, I transferred all my permits and had to do it over here too. (laughs) So, (laughs) But it's a very interesting sport. So generally what you do is you have a... A bird of prey, whether it's uh, from the wild or captive bred, depending on, you know, what permits and province or state you live in. And you just teach them that you're a source of food. And then you go out, you go hunting with them, you fly them. They're not at all like restricted in their ways. Um, you're kind of just their assistant in the field to make sure that they get what you're going for. You want them to be the best they can be. And it's just incredible to watch them go from being young, dumb little birds. And then you can just see the click in the field where it's all snaps together and they know what to do as an an adult to be able to survive.
1: Are they tethered? So you wear that thing on your arm that they sit on, that big glove thing, are they tethered to that or are they loose?
2: Indoors, they are held to it. In the first training, it's kind of annoying. It's kind of like when you wear a bracelet, you kind of like, like, I don't really quite like it. But after a little bit, you know, they ignore it. And then uh, when you go outdoors, generally depends on the bird, you can take those off. We usually just remove them and then they fly with without them or we fly with them on. It just depends on the bird and if it gets in the way of their hunting because um, we don't want it to, to interfere with, with what's natural with them. Sure.
1: Do you hunt, is it like like rabbits or
2: mice or kind of small game? Yeah, it's, uh, it's rabbits and squirrels generally for hawks. And then for falcons, it's like a feathered game. So we kind of direct them towards a game we like but when we go out it's it's really up to them you can't tell a bird oh you know what you got to stay away from this and we we want to go for that (laughs) if they see something that they want you just kind of have to be like all right I guess we're going for that instead sure
1: okay this is what we're doing now
2: yep exactly so sometimes they'll see something you know a half a mile out and you're like where are you going and you just end up having to run after them and they saw like a duck or a rabbit way far away, but you had one in front of you, but they just didn't like that one. And you're like, well, yeah. I'm like, all right, you want to make it harder? Let's make it harder. <laughs> sure. Why not? Story of my life. <laughs> I know. And then you're just huffing and puffing, trying to run after them. <laughs> sure. How do you get him to come back to you? It's all food motivation. So you kind of show them in the beginning of training that you're the easiest meal, so if they keep coming back, they get free food. They get as much as they want. And birds, they're lazy. <laughs> they don't want to exert. The, they don't want to exert any extra energy. So you know, if they can come over and they have a full cooked meal, you know, like us, like if we have like a hubby at home cooking our meal, we're gonna come home nice. Because <laughs> it's the more they fly, the more they work for their food, the more energy they burn, and they want to conserve that. They don't want to burn energy and tire themselves out because. They don't know what tomorrow brings. If they get an easy meal, you know, they'll be your best friend. (laughs) We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hi, this is Dr. Jessica Turner, and I want to tell you about my new show, Living Well with Dr. Jessica.
1: We talk about life, love, and living your healthiest life. Check it out on Fat Candy Radio or a podcast platform of your choice. So do they, when they catch the prey, say the rabbit or whatever, do they tear into it or they're trying to bring it to
2: you? No. So they hold it down. It depends. So for kind of like a hawk, most of them, like a rabbit is, we push them to go for something a little bit bigger than they're capable of taking themselves. So we have to assist with them. Um, usually, we come in, we help dispatch, and we we reward them. Either they can eat what they catch right there and then, or we can exchange for something that's already prepared for them, um, like a quail. Or a rat or something, and then we will take the the rabbit either to eat it for ourselves or prepare it for another time, for another outing for them to to have. Uh, it just depends on the on the person. We do weigh their food, um, just like with dogs. They can get overweight, and being overweight isn't healthy. and And usually, an overweight animal they're kind of lazy and <laughs> they don't want to do much. So. Their food is all pre-weighed, so if we want to go hunting tomorrow, we'll switch them out with something that's been pre-weighed so that they're fully ready to go out the next day for flying.
1: Sure, so they're not so full that they just don't want to…
2: Yeah, if they are stuffed to the brim, they're going to be sitting there pooping for days. (laughs) Same though, right? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So fun fact,
1: birds also, because for some reason on my show, we always come back to talking about butts. So birds have a cloaca, right? Which is just one hole. So poop, pee, everything comes out that one hole. Eggs, you name it.
2: Yes, exactly. If you notice, they have kind of like their poop comes out and it's a brown with white with kind of some clear The brown is your regular poop. The white is actually urate. So it's kind of like a dried form of... Or their form of urine, and then also the clear is type of a like a byproduct from the um, the kidneys. So it's kind of it's very interesting. They love to conserve water, so that's why they mostly poop the white because that really sucks and keeps all the water in them, <laughs> as I say. <laughs> it's not a very technical way to put it. <laughs> I bet all the bird people are like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and she's gonna be a doctor.
1: I'm just kidding. No, you're you're great. You're great. So, are there any fun?
2: bird anatomy facts you have? They do have two working ovaries, but only one of them uh, works. One of them doesn't work. It's just kind of like a fake one, as I like to say, just there to look pretty. Even it out on both sides. Yeah. And then just the one works quite well. It doesn't affect their fertility at all, but you know, it's just a fun little fact that they only have one working um, ovary, even with chickens. So if you ever like see your chicken popping out an egg, it's only from that one ovary. Oh,
1: wow. Is it always like the same side on each bird or is it, it could be either
2: one. It's always the same side. Yeah. Always the same side. Yeah. And, um, they usually, most birds, um, they typically only have, ten primaries, uh, which is their flight feathers that you see. They're pretty little flight feathers. And then they have the covers to the primary flight feathers, which we call secondary feathers. And they can have anywhere between nine to twenty-five. It depends on the size of the bird, the type of bird. And then they have six pairs of tail feathers.
1: Oh, sweet. You love your birds. You know all your bird facts. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I'm like, they peck. They peck you and they dive down on you, and they scare you when you're just a kid and you want to go to your friend's swimming pool.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. No, sometimes they do.
1: <laughs> Our friends had a, I can never remember, the big white bird. It's a, that's a cockatoo, right? Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Our friends had a gorgeous white cockatoo, and I always thought she was so cool, but I was kind of like, mm, no, I have Ornithophobia. So I'm just kind of not about you, but like you do you. That's great. Like you, hey, you're, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. You do your bird thing. But it picked out my husband's name and it would see him and it would say, hey, Clay. And then it would do its little dance thing. And I was like, okay, you're okay. You're an okay bird.
2: There's always exceptions, but you can actually really tell with their body language, just like with people. If they are going to bite you or if they're going to be nice and play with you. So if they have really dilated eyes, a little bit of a floof, um, a small floof, not like a huge like fluff ball. They're actually showing that they're content, they're, that they like you. If, you know, with the ones that do have the crest if they, their crest is raised when they see you, they're interested, they're excited, they do uh, want to like interact with you. If they're super sucked down with all their feathers sucked all in tight, their eyes are constricted, their mouth is open, they're doing these screechy sounds. Or if they have a giant fluff going on, that means that you know they might be very scared, they might react, they might bite. So kind of like, you can look out for those and then if they do give you the signs of okay let's interact you can offer you your like your arm to them i always say if you're not comfortable you can wear like a thicker jacket <laughs> cuz they do they do use their mouth to like help step up. So they will come for you. So don't get too scared with that because they will use it to help, to help grab and balance and bring themselves up. But uh, as long as they're not like chomping at you, <laughs> as I say. But if you use that as kind of like a stand, like a, a starting point, you can try looking at them at a distance and see, okay, maybe that one's actually going to be friendly or maybe that one's like, I'm not like going to touch that one today (laughs) type of a thing. And you can start there based on, um, on the just like reading body language of the birds um, and how they interact with their owners. And then you can work your way forward to touching or feeding or whatnot. (laughs)
1: Oh, okay. That's really sweet. I'm just picturing the little like partial floof, but not the full floof, just like a little poof. It's like, oh, it's a baby.
2: I know. Yeah, I know. With uh, with birds of prey, their true form of like showing content is when they're really fluffed and then you'll see their chin all floofed and all around by their eyes. Um, and that means it's like true form of content if they're not comfortable they'll be very sucked in and you'll know they'll be just like I'm a skeleton like uh, i have not i have no meat on my bones <laughs> type of look <laughs> or they're just
1: hungry maybe they just maybe they're, they're always hungry for human flesh but not not all birds are evil
2: no no I say the smaller they are little tiny parakeets or Parallelettes, they are kind of known to be a little bit more of a biter because they're they're kind of a prey item. So they know they're small and tiny. That makes sense. Yeah. So then they're more willing to to bite out of fear. And then I I say for like the cockatoos, the African grays, the big guys, the Amazons, they kind of bite because they're being stinker butts. <laughs>
0: We'll be right back with more vet candy.
1: Hey, this is Dr. Quincy Hawley, and I'm here to tell you about a new show. It's Vet Candy Rounds with the Hawley's. That's right, Dr. Tierra, the love of my life, and I have teamed up to bring you the most fascinating cases in the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify. Or a podcast platform of your choice, only on Vet Candy Radio. That's a lot nicer than their assholes, which is what
2: I said. Yeah, <laughs> I call them stinkerbots. I say, no, no, stinkerbot, we're not going there. <laughs> so yeah, they bite because, as we put it, and I think I've said it before, they they really the bigger birds have a brain of a two year old. So. Some days it's tantrums. Some days it's like, where can a bite get me? Like type of, can I push my boundaries type of a thing?
1: That's making me think of horses too, because horses really push their boundaries like, if you if you don't make them do it, they're not gonna do it.
2: Yeah, no, and you know, like birds, they're very time scheduled. So if you mess up their schedule, they are very good with time. I don't know how they know it, but they are. If you mess up their sleep time, if you prolong their food time, you don't do play time. Oh my goodness that Amazon or like cockatoo parrot is going to, they're going to have a little cranky fit.
1: (laughs) Have you ever met a bird that
2: cusses? Oh, I have. Yes. Yes. I've had friends who have, he had a African gray. His name was Smokey. Oh, he was a little, he was a little stinker. (laughs) He loved the bathroom. So if he got off the cage, he would run and go to the bathroom and if you tried to go in there he'd be like oh fucker and then he would come for you and then he'd like be running with all of his like his crest flared his feathers flared and he'd be like shit shit and <laughs> he'd be running around <laughs> and he would just like he would go for you he would he would take a toe if you were in his bathroom like oh yeah he and he would answer the doorbell too if someone like knocked he'd be like hello come in and then my friend like would come out of the shower in her bath t- in her bathrobe she'd be like hello? And it'd be like the mailman or something. <laughs> and and the, the bird let him in. So, I mean, he was pretty good. Um, but I, I loved how he would, uh, he knew like shit. He knew motherfucker. He knew asshole. He was very smart about it. You had to piss him off. Okay. So it was appropriate. Like he didn't just say it. He just, okay. No, it, it, he very much took it to cue as the human, you know, like you have to, you have to watch what you say around, around the birds because they will figure it out when, when you like flare up and have an anger flare, you know, they take point on that. And then like a toddler. Yes. Like a toddler. Yes. And so they will use it. And unfortunately, most of the time it's very correct and <laughs> in, in how they do use it. So it's quite funny.
1: Oh my goodness. My husband's bosses, they adopted this bird and the bird hates them, does not like them. And the bird yells racial slurs. And they didn't know this when they when they took in this bird. So they have this beautiful like it's a patio but it's all covered and you know they're they're out there and they're you know they're inside but then they're out there so they have some sun and it's lovely. But the the reason I'm saying that is because there's neighbors. And there's neighbors on all sides. And every now and then, this bird just starts yelling all these hateful racial slurs. And they're like, oh my God,
2: we are going to get kicked out or murdered. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And you know, once they learn it, there's there's no talk. Like you can't know. There's no sense in talking to them because they can't, they don't understand. They just mimic. They're mimicking something that they've repeatedly heard. So... Unfortunately, they're gonna have to put a sign out on their front door and say, I'm sorry, we adopted a, a very incorrect bird.
1: <laughs> so we are not racist assholes. Yes, no. Whoever had this bird before.
2: <laughs> yes. Now this is the reason why we adopted him. <laughs> right? We we
1: rescued him. He's a legit rescue, right?
2: Yes, yes, exactly. So and I mean, they could in a way, I guess, try to put some stress on like good talking and reward him with like treats every single time he says good words and try to like direct him and keep repeating the good vocabulary you want him to do
1: sure just positive reinforcement yeah
2: yeah of course always there, it's probably gonna you know come around at some point but yeah you you can try some positive reinforcement in in proper language but <laughs> but I, I don't think he'll he'll ever forget. <laughs>
1: I think it's funny. They say that at pet stores, if they have a parrot or a bird for sale and it talks and it starts cussing, they can't sell it.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's it's hard. And you kind of have to tell the clients, you know, that come in like to watch their language, but they think it's funny. Not a lot of people want the cuss words, but then a lot of people, if they bring home their bird, they they teach them it anyways. It's hard. You can't win. Uh, I mean, the birds are always rehomed. They're generally, um, as we say, put them on sale. They go back to the breeder. The breeder puts them on like a special sale and he has a group of people um, that he trusts and he'll he'll offer them, them the unsellable bird unfortunately yeah the behind the scenes of breeding is quite interesting like sometimes they have uh, toes bitten off and that's not a sellable bird even though a lot of people don't care but you know coming to a pet store you know they want a perfect feathered perfect toes everything so I've had a few where mom acts uh, like had a like a scare a fright one night and then she took um, almost all the toes off of one foot of her baby. and um, then it became an unsellable bird. but then it you know, they're rehomed just just behind the scenes and not through kind of a commercial setting. And see, I'm I, I guess
1: I'm the opposite of most people because I see a sick or deformed or it's got I'm like, oh, I want that one. I want the broken one. I don't want the perfect one. I want the sick one.
2: I want the unique one. <laughs> I want the one that has some, like, cause you know, the perfect ones are always going to find a home. It's the, the one that doesn't look, you know, the prettiest that's probably going to straggle and have a harder time. So I'm with you. I, I go for the ones that, that aren't your picture perfect pet. <laughs>
1: All of our pets are or were considered unadoptable for one reason or another, you know, at some point. And it's like, no, I'll take it. No, I'll take it. No, I'll take it. (laughs) It's like, now we got all these black and white cats.
2: Oh my goodness. Hey, no, I understand. I uh, turned into the person who takes in rabbits. (laughs) I've had to say no because I I have three now and uh, they're going to take over my house. So (laughs) I'm not going to have anywhere to sleep soon. (laughs) Yeah. It'll just be rabbit poop. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. No. (laughs) Poor little bunnies.
1: I have a fun. Would you rather? Are you up for a little game of would you rather?
2: Sure. It's been a long time (laughs) since I played one of those. (laughs) We'll give it a try. Would you rather?
1: have a completely automated home or a self-driving car?
2: I would have to go automated home. That would be, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Temperature, lights. I wouldn't have to touch the thing.
1: <laughs> right? You just walk in and I like to imagine that somehow it just knows like the home is so intelligent. Like you just walk in and you're, they're like, it's Caitlin, <laughs> make it 69 degrees, turn on horror movies. And then it's like, okay, cool.
2: <laughs> that would be very nice. That would be very nice. It would be just very nice not to have to find the light switch in the dark. <laughs> that would be just the biggest thing. <laughs> Girl, this morning, one of our lights, I guess
1: it went out and I was, oh, no, it's the light that's in the dryer. So, you know, when you open the dryer, the light comes on. Well, that's out. So I'm like, where's my fucking scrub top? <laughs> and
2: I'm like, I can't see. I got so mad. You might as well just throw it on the floor and then, and then dig it out. <laughs> Yeah, just start at zero. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: We'll start at the bottom and work our way up. You know. So, would you rather never get stuck in traffic ever again, or never get another cold?
2: I would say never have a cold. You know, traffic isn't that isn't that bad. <laughs> you can always avoid it. You can you can try to find a back way home.
1: <laughs> That's true. And sometimes it's that little adventurous fun going off the the side and finding a place. Now that we have like GPS and we're not lost forever and get murdered.
2: Oh, completely, completely.
1: And I'm one of those people I take when I get a
2: cold, I just have a
1: cold forever.
2: Like it just never goes away. It's horrible. I'm kind of a baby when I get sick. So <laughs> I kind of, I just shut down a little bit. <laughs> same, same. I'll start crying. I'll be like, I can't breathe.
1: <laughs> and I'm so tired, but it hurts. So. Would you rather live on the beach or live on a, in a cabin in the woods?
2: I would have to say on a beach. I do like cabin and woods, but ugh, the beach would just be so nice. Maybe maybe it's because I've been in Canada too long.
0: <laughs> okay, that's fair. We'll be right back with more vet candy. That Candy Life is a talk show hosted by well-being gurus, Dr. Quincy Hawley and Renee Michelle. Each episode features expert tips, lifestyle advice, and real-life experiences from the most interesting people in the world. Check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and more.
1: I still gotta go with Cabin in the Woods. I just think it would be so pretty and so spooky, but in a fun way.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think so. Uh, you you should come up to Canada. <laughs> I would
1: love to. Canada is on my bucket list. Yes, Canada is so pretty. Would you rather travel the world for a year, all expenses paid, or have $40,000 up front to spend on whatever you want?
2: Oh, I'm traveling the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. I better go and see it if it's going to be paid for. <laughs>
1: Yeah, See, this is one where I feel like I'm not fun because I'm like, oh, if I had that $40,000, I could get out of debt and start over and I could get my shit together and be a good person. But then I'm like, or, or, or I could go to Tokyo.
2: At this point, I just, as a vet student, you know, you you know what debt is and you're just like, it's there. <laughs> It's going to be there for the next 20 years, so you might as well enjoy a year of traveling. <laughs> That's true. And when it says
1: all expenses paid, does that mean it pays like your bills for your house so when you get home you haven't lost everything? I'm going to say yes.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I would too. <laughs> I mean, a better. <laughs>
1: right? Right?
2: Because it's like, well, if you're just paying for
1: travel, I mean, I still have to stop somewhere to live when I get back.
2: So I know. Gosh. That would be like what happens after. Right? <laughs> right?
1: Right? <laughs>
2: It's like those genies where there's always a
1: catch. It's like, oh, your wish will come true. But yeah, you better call mom because you're going to be living with her. (laughs) Right? Gosh, for real, right? I don't know though. Some days I'm like, mom, can I just like quit my job and just come move back in and you feed me and take care of me. I'll even do the dishes sometimes and I won't complain.
2: Oh, you know what? I've really thought about that a lot too. (laughs) It'd be nice. It'd be nice can I be just like 16 again, you know? (laughs) Oh my
1: gosh. I would take back so much stuff. Like so many like shitty teenager mean things that I did. I'd be like, mama, I love you. Here's coffee. I made coffee. I think that's been,
2: I think that's every teenage girl.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. For real. For real. Would you rather never get angry or never get envious?
2: I'll never get angry because, you know, anger kind of ruins your day. An envious moment, you can get over it, you know, like, oh, I'm jealous. I want that coffee. But you're like, oh, okay, I'll go get that coffee, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's good. I always joke that like green looks good on me because I'm a very jealous like, oh, I want that. How come I don't have that? <laughs> But that's true about anger, too, because in the moment, and then sometimes when you're angry, you blurt mean things. And it's like, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. I was just upset. So, yeah, that's ooh, that's a good one.
2: Yeah, I mean, it kind of dampers your whole day, whereas when you're envious, you know, you'll, you'll get a little hyped up for a few minutes, but then it passes. That's true. That's good.
1: This is why you're a doctor. That's awesome.
2: We have these. We have these things in vet school. They they teach us. No.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. You have a wisdom class, like just general wisdom one hundred and one. So, would you rather speak to animals or speak ten foreign languages?
2: Speak to animals, only because in my profession, sometimes you're looking at an animal and you're like, man, what is going on with you? Like all the tests. Are perfect. The X-rays, they're great. You know, like I don't know what the heck is wrong with you. Why are you vomiting, <laughs> right? And then they're like, I ate a squirrel three weeks ago,
1: and it smelled really bad. You know, I think if I was more in the back, like not just in the front, because like, I'm the, I'm a desk wench, but I think if I was more in the back, I would want to speak to animals. But otherwise, I would. But then again. So I had this thought too. I feel like our animals would overshare about us. Oh, completely. That's embarrassing. Yeah, and like there's people that I feel like I'd be like, I don't, I don't want to know. I want to know. I want to know. But then there's some
2: where you're like, oh, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what's going on in that in that house. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Dad
1: has people in the basement. Okay, well I'm gonna check you out. <laughs> But then if you could speak to like 10 different foreign languages, like how cool would it be to just go to Tokyo and I can speak fluent Japanese or I can speak fluent
2: German or that would be so cool. That would be fun. That'd be fun. I have to say that that's a hard choice. Like if I wasn't in BedMed, Med, I, I would choose the language one, the uh, the 10 languages.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Assuming, assuming you can pick the languages, which I believe this is my show and you can pick the languages if you want to. So so what what are your are you
2: going to want to have your own clinic or are you gonna to want to work under somebody? I would love to be mentored. I want more mentorship, mainly because my third year was all online and that tech, that was our kind of our hands-on year of learning and asking stupid questions. So I mean, you go in, you ask stupid questions, you you get to practice a whole bunch, you get to learn more in person. So I I didn't really get that. It was all online, all of our labs were canceled. So it's like, you're like, oh my God, in all my four years, I haven't touched a cat yet. Like, (laughs) you're just like, I'm scared. But I mean, of course, you know, this year we got to touch cats. But (laughs) for a moment there, everyone was like, oh God, but like, are we ever going to touch cats before we graduate? (laughs) Just because they, they get very stressed in a. in a clinical setting. So we can't really, we can't really ask a lot of owners to let us uh, practice on them or, you know, like do a physical exam or, you know, like even play with them. It's still stressful to bring them out of their household. So having a mentor after vet school would be wonderful just to be able to kind of bridge all my extra thoughts that I didn't get to fully learn during my fourth year as there's a lot of stuff going on. So you can't learn everything in one year. So having a year or two afterwards uh, would be nice. Just to train under someone who who knows a lot about like small animals and exotics would be um, would be my kind of my next dream.
1: <laughs> sure. So outside of birds, what what other kind of exotics do you really you enjoy like reptiles or?
2: Um, I enjoy rabbits. I really enjoy them. They are quite an interesting creature who they get a lot of medical issues, such as like not wanting to eat, which they need to eat. (laughs) So they're always wanting to, they always come in. And a lot of uh, small animal vets, they aren't comfortable with them because they're considered an exotic, which nowadays they're not that exotic. So they're, they're one of the most common animals to come in besides like a rat. You'll see dogs, cats, rats, and rabbits. Those are your like your big four besides birds. So I think it'd be nice to be able to help more rabbits.
1: I have a friend that I house sit for and she has a rabbit named Booplesnoot. And it's the most perfect name because it's, I don't know what kind of rabbit it is, but it's its little and it's fluffy and it's got a smushy face and lop ears. And it's so cute. And You know, when they, like they just sit there and the little nose twitches and it's like, oh my gosh, and your name is Booplesnoot. Like here, have some more hay. I want to watch you eat.
2: <laughs> I do that too. and I'm like, oh my gosh, eat, eat more, eat more. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. I think she, what she has is called a, a mini lop. That's what we call uh, a miniature lop rabbit. They're very cute. I love them.
1: <laughs> we get a lot of them at, at our shelter in town. I think it's like Easter bunnies. People get them and then they don't take care of them. You know how it goes. So she, bless her heart, she ends up with all the rabbits. This has been so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me about birds. And I think that you have really helped me, I wouldn't say overcome, but become more at peace with my ornithophobia.
2: Yeah, no, it's a validated fear. I would. One hundred percent, rather work with a bird of prey than a parrot any day. <laughs> um, so it's a it's a very validated fear to have. Um, they're very hard th- to work with if you don't know what you're doing. And so I, I wish you luck. I hope you I hope you get the confidence to be able to touch one, and maybe um, your husband can sneak one in. <laughs> I would. I'd be like, that's your pet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's okay. <laughs> it'll it'll keep them busy
1: <laughs> sure hey go for it you know <laughs> I'll get my beardy I want a bearded dragon and you can get your bird
2: and it'll be great yeah definitely just have a little side room yeah have a little critter room no problem
1: <laughs> that is a life goal is to have a critter room just be like you know what I think I'll go buy a bearded dragon today <laughs>
0: We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. As a veterinarian, it's important to perfect your clinical skills. That's why Vet Candy created a master course in toxicology. The master course is taught by a board certified criticalist and delivers a thorough evaluation of the science and clinical practice skills needed to master toxicology from decontamination to treatment. And when you complete the course, you receive exclusive tools to celebrate, recognize, and share your accomplishment. And what's even more exciting, the course is free and provides race and New York State approved continuing education credits. This program is brought to you by Vitoquinol Start learning today at myvetcandy.com forward slash talks. Start learning today at myvetcandy.com forward slash TOX.
1: Well, this has been so much fun, Emily. Thank you so, so much for coming on today. And I wish you the best of luck. You are going to be the most amazing doctor. And if I ever truly overcome my ornithrophobia and I have my exotic pets, I will be coming to Canada to see you.
2: Oh well, I, I mean, I <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
1: well, thank you so, so much. Was there anything you wanted to say before we close? No, no, not, no. So Emily, if our listeners want to get in touch with you or to follow you on the social medias, where can they do that?
2: Um, they can find me on Instagram. My, I guess you call it Instagram handle um, is called uh, future underscore dr underscore Emily underscore Blake. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> but yeah, it's future dr. Emily Blake um, is the is the main one. Um, and my name is very common. So I bet... Yeah.
1: And we can put it in the show notes too. Well, this has been a fantastic show. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you for listening. I love sharing these stories with you. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit that subscribe button. You can always find me on Vet Candy and TikTok at Desk Send me your crazy stories to thedeskwench at gmail.com. Until next time, make it a
0: great day. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.